Good morning, everybody. It's Oliver Callan here again on a Monday morning. It is the 31st of July now, the last day of the hottest month in the world in recorded history, they tell us. You'd nearly be glad then of the mist here and uh, the rain and the drizzle, the showers, the bucketing down, the korboshta, the fluck, the other words we have for precipitation. And it's still nearly dark out here this morning in Dublin anyway. You'd swear it was um, more deeper into October and so on. Anyway, 51551 is the text. And for the Nordies, text studio, then your message to 80889. All the papers today, of course, nearly front and back on every one of them, are covering the All-Ireland final. Uh, one of the great All-Ireland finals, I think, yesterday. Dublin versus Kerry going in. Kerry, 38 titles. Dublin with 30. There wasn't a lot for the neutrals, but they turned it into a contest for the ages, despite a, a shabby first half that ended brilliantly. But a really, really memorable day out in Park on Croakig. The Jacks are back. You saw that sign on live television behind James McCarthy's head. And uh, the Dubs, they, they celebrated uh, like they hadn't won Um, the Sam for decades but the long wait is over now lads three years without a title it must be very very hard for you Uh, an unreal day I had a good day out uh, in Croker yesterday went in on the dart which was running about 15 minutes behind schedule because you had the Bray Air show on and because Ireland you see can't run trains in time when there are two things happening on the same day you know that's not possible even when the trains are 20 minutes apart but actually I was remembering wasn't the wasn't this time last year was the chaotic day when it was too hot inside the the stuffed late trains the Bray Air show the All-Ireland final and people decided to get out and walk along the tracks and there was all sorts of rulia-boolia about that and here we were a year later no one was getting out of a train to walk in the in the spitting mist uh, and anyway it's nice to come out of Conley Station and there's an atmosphere on an All-Ireland final day that just is completely different to every other Sunday in Croker and up by the five lamps the sea of blue into the mists of Summer Hill and the North Circular Road and past that lovely Art Deco Tavern Gills Pub and into the uh, swinging heaving avenue of Jones's Road, where nightmares and blanket defences come to life. Laura Lynn were raising money there with the buckets. Uh, I saw a man go by with a ponytail and a banjo, and I knew, yep, this is All-Ireland Day. Fellas from Kerry leaning over the bridge, over the canal, like they own the place. You know those fellas who've come down, uh, they come up here. They weren't there for the semi-final, as tradition would want it. And um, there was, there were, the stars were out. Marty, of course, was, was mobbed as usual. And Patrick Keelty was a relatively new face outside Croker, swarmed by well-wishers. The new chat king has arrived. He has an All-Ireland medal, after all, uh, with down at minor level. And in we went. And what an occasion. There was a gorgeous tribute to Sinead O'Connor about 15, 20 minutes before throw-in. Uh, the video to Nothing Compares to You was played in full and there's great sound in Croker when they when they just get it nice and sweet and wrapped in the applause of 82,300 people which gives the Irish Daily Star its front page today. A brawl Ireland final, 80,000 paying a teary tribute to icon Sinead and just the, the, the clatter of applause it was just gorgeous. Uh, there was no appearance on the red carpet by President Higgins. He's still recovering from a procedure on his back a few weeks ago which was scheduled so he could free up his autumn so we wish him well. Uh, but yeah, the start, Paul Meskel was there uh, to mark. Um, he, he was, he, he said, was well it was the first ever All-Ireland football final broadcast live across Britain on BBC Two television and on the iPlayer as well and he was on a starry player with Paddy Keel 
Realty, Daryl Breen and Adrian Dunbar, of course. And, um, well, well, Paul Meskell is no stranger to Croke Park, although he did say it was his first All-Ireland. Here he is on BBC Two yesterday. Probably for a lot of us, it was, a, it was the defining factor of my childhood and teenage years. And it took great... I've, I've marked um, Con O'Callaghan and Baskell and... Uh, Cormac Costello and yeah they're fantastic footballers but it's uh, very difficult to mark I would say This is your first All-Ireland final how much do you miss actually playing the game and you were explaining to me why you had to give it up It's so hard to quantify but it's it's the world of acting in Gaelic football don't seem to match up very well. I, the fist! Yeah, the fist! I broke my jaw two days before uh, starting my final year of drama school and that was the that was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, that would do it for you, wouldn't it? He broke his jaw. He's on a, a break from filming Gladiator 2, which is obviously paused because of the, the actress strikes. Uh, so he was, uh, he cut a starry role. He was able to wander around Croker, though, um, fairly easily, despite the enormous fame. I saw Declan Hannan, um, uh, the captain of Limerick, previous years. He was obviously injured this year wandering about as well it was, it was a fantastic day the headlines um, the two papers have gone the Star and the Irish Sun have gone nothing compares to Blue uh, Dublin on cloud nine at Croker there's a lot of that because of the nine All-Irelands with Mick Fitzsimmons Fitzsimmons uh, Clucko of course and James McCarthy and I was watching Stephen Cluxton very closely at the end um, he picked up his th- things around the goalposts like it was just the end of another day another shift in the factory and uh, he's like a pure Buddhist uh, he was very he was very very happy there's no mistake People are fascinated and also wondering and a little bit anxious about Stephen Luckland's reaction to winning All-Irelands over the years. Uh, He just does happy, I think, in a different way to the rest of us. And he stayed on the pitch. He doesn't go up and take um, the Sam Maguire in his hands. He he had to as captain, of course, but he's not captain at the moment. And he stayed down on the pitch and... He posed for a photo with his record, fellow record-breaking ninth All-Irelanders, McCarthy of Ballymun and, of course, Fitzsimons of Dawkey. And I noticed the Kerry fans, the big triangle of Kerry fans on Hill 16 stayed right through to the end and the lifting of the, and the speeches and everything uh, because they knew they lost fairly and they have uh, a dignity in Kerry because they're sort of thinking, well, sure, it won't be long now till we be back again. And there are great, there's a great picture in the Irish Independent of the three nine All-Irelanders and you can see Sam Maguire Trophy just coming into shot. But if you've seen the clip, as I have online, uh, Stephen Cluxton turns away. He didn't want to pose with Sam himself. He thinks it's just for the team effort. So he didn't want to uh, single himself out. That's just the sort of the, the lad that he is. Uh, so it was, a gr- it was a really enjoyable occasion. The Jacks are black. The Blues are back in the Irish Sun. And good luck to everyone in Smithfield. It is a dark, dismal day in Dublin, uh, but hopefully it clears up um, as the day goes on, says you. And there are people watching it across the water. The Reverend Richard Coles, who's a... Well, he's a celebrity reverend who's taken to writing a murder mystery novel and so on there. He was uh, one of the Brits watching the All-Ireland Football Final for the first time. He says, now I'm worried I'm going to be hoarse this afternoon shouting handball from reflex uh, while watching the GA All-Ireland Football Final. Uh, the first well, he's the first networked live transmission of one of the greatest sporting fixtures in the world, he says, from himself. And Fergal Sharkey of the Undertones said it couldn't possibly be one of the greatest sporting fixtures in the world. Derry didn't make it into the final. You see, everyone has their little biases. Everyone has their has their, their, their biases. By the way, there was a weird soccer-style um, post-match press conference with Desi Farrell and uh, James McCarthy sitting behind a table awkwardly. Do you know, very kind of corporate, um, like you'd see Jurgen Klopp is familiar, but it's weird for the GA, I had to say. 
and uh, I thought well the, the, the skipper McCarthy sort of made a farce of it uh, because someone handed him a pint of stout and he just drank it during the rest of the press conference which wouldn't be very Premier League and no doubt he hasn't had a pint I'd say in a fair while but anyway why is it that some people are kind of talking about the All-Ireland on, on the Saturday and should, should it be moved to a Saturday like kind of Champions League style I don't know it seems more family friendly I think in an afternoon on a Sunday for people travelling great distances and early uh, but the entertainment the stunning were really good um, before the match but you know half time and maybe it's just too difficult to set up at half time maybe there's kind of um, sporting politics around having the schools doing their entertainment at half time I'm not entirely sure in the GA world anyway the attention goes to the Camogie final which is next weekend between Cork and Waterford and then the ladies football final the week after which is a Dublin Kerry final another one says you uh, happening there as well great game by the way by David Goff the ref with a whistle and a country load of patience and cam and there was a strange incident the, the dubs Fans comically, I'd say comically, booed him when he was mentioned by the uh, the GAA Uchtron and then a flash onto the big screen and he was just roaring laughing at the whole thing. So I think he took it in the chest. And uh, anyway, and of course it will go to Rugby World Cup uh, levels in a, in a couple of weeks' time. It's already starting with the ads and so on. And there's a little bit of a divide still in Dublin, isn't there? Uh, it's not like in Munster where the Munster fans support the Limerick hurling and down in Cork as well and vice versa. There's a much more even... There's much more a clear divide in Dublin. I'm not sure a huge number of Leinster rugby fans are, are backing the dubs in the GA land. And equally so, a lot of Northside uh, Dublin GA supporters may not cross the rugby divide. Although chatting to the dubs at the match, there were people telling me that uh, rugby's on the rise in schools like Blanche. So it's leaking in from Castleknock and maybe the same is happening in Clontarf, that, that the Northside rugby strongholds. So it's interesting to watch that kind of development, but uh, you never know. A big, big Rugby World Cup for the Irish would change everything. 51551 is the text. Up the dubs every time. Uh, great second half, says Jane in Wexford. Yeah, it was all about the second half and you nearly forget all the sort of... Uh, but it was still entertaining, the first half. It was just a bit scrappy and low scoring, more so. Now, speaking of Irish Rail, um, I see a story here in the journal.ie. They could be losing 12 million a year through fare evasions. These people skipping or going on trains without a valid ticket. It's mostly happening on the Dart and Consumer Services. The fare evasion rate is about 6%, um, which I don't think feels huge uh, because there isn't a, like rampant ticket inspections on it, but it works out fairly well. It's, uh, mostly it's nearly an honour system in a lot of places, except in the big stations. Uh, but they've revealed, Irish Rail, the highest uh, evading of the fares of the tickets, going ticketless, um, are among passengers travelling on commuter services in Cork. Three out of every 20 individuals checked on the Cork Mallow services, this is 15% of all passengers, don't have a valid ticket. And it's 12% on the Cork Middleton route. What's going on in Cork? Maybe they're just more efficient at checking the tickets down there. Who knows? And the Mirror tells us today um, that tomorrow night, which is the 1st of August, is going to be the best night to view the supermoon. Uh, there's a supermoon visible in Irish skies. So um, will we be able to see it though? Just the weather is fierce bad, but it does clear from time to time. The moon is going to rise at 10 o'clock at night. And uh, also it'll be good tonight as well. We're told here the moon rising at half past nine tonight and Wednesday 20 past 10. This is strange. So it's the second of a series of four supermoons gracing the night sky. Um, more to come in August and a fourth in September. So loads of mooning going on there in the skies. <laughs> it's Monday. You know, that's about the height of comedy I can manage. If you're mad to be a pilot, Aer Lingus has good news. They are going to recruit 90 aspiring pilots 
Over the next five years, the Indo says this morning, um, uh, they're reopening their pilot recruitment programme. And it's the first time since 2019 that they've actually done this. It's an intensive pilot training programme. They're going to recruit 18 candidates in this year's round. And they accept an- online applications from today until the 16th of August. So there you go. It's a programme that goes on for five years, fully sponsored by the airline, because it's a very expensive thing, isn't it, to train as an airline pilot and they're going to look after you. And they're particularly looking for uh, female candidates because uh, they want to in- increase the number of female applicants to the programme. The current figure of 11% female pilots in Erlingus is industry leading, but they know they need to surpass the representation um, because only 7% of applicants have been female in their previous rounds. So they're, they're, that's the place. Erlingus um, will be the place to go if you want to be a pilot. Uh, Ballymun versus Kerry, someone says here in the text already. So that's obviously the reference to James McCarthy. You know, there were times when I was thinking the same thing. And of course, when it goes the other way around, it's all oh, David Clifford, you know, carried the team on his own. But he was made to look nearly normal by Mick Fitzsimons, certainly in the second half or the first half. Mick Fitzsimons was flailing at one stage. And David Clifford, I think, touched the ball twice in the first half and it ended in the score. He got a point on the goal. But anyway, that's the, the slagging just never ends, really, does it? Um, Cardi B. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were discussing on this show about how the stars on live concerts are getting things flung at them from audience members. Uh, somebody tried to give Ash a bag. Well, they literally gave um, a pink a bag of their mother's ashes. Skittles were fired at Harry Styles, but a mobile phone was thrown at somebody's head at a country uh, thing. But Cardi B has got a revenge on behalf of all stars in Las Vegas. Um, she, someone threw a drink over her and she reacted by throwing her microphone. Now, we don't know if anybody was hurt. It uh, appears not, because you, I'm sure you would have heard about it. And she's flung her microphone in, in fury. Uh, she's had enough of this and lots of uh, jealous AB, which you can figure out yourself, that means. Uh, but what some people are pointing out, of course, the most interesting thing perhaps about the story is that after she flings her microphone away, you can still hear her voice booming out among all the, the into the sound system. So you do wonder, you know, a Cardi B show is clearly not um, alive and acoustic, that's for sure. Uh, Twitter has restored Kanye West's account after the ban, after all the offensive things he said. Um, Almost eight months later, he's, his ban has been lifted. Um, he's, of course, sometimes known as Ye now, and Twitter is now sometimes known as X, so they're all rebranding very badly. And um, he's back online. He hasn't posted yet, but God help us all if he decides to. That's all I'll say. Madonna, this is better news. Madonna, of course, is back. She cancelled a number of tour dates. She was about to start a world tour, which unfortunately doesn't include Dublin, if you're a Madonna fan. And uh, she developed a bacterial infection. So she was in intensive care for a couple of days and her celebration tour was rescheduled and that was going to begin in Europe in October instead. She'll go to America later. So she thanked her family and friends for her their support during her medical emergency. She's back up and running and at it. Madge. Didn't come out well there, did she, last week um, during the, the Sinead O'Connor history because she sort of poked fun at the, the Pope incident. But sure, hindsight is a great thing for all of us. Now, Matthew McConaughey, or McConaughey, I think you're supposed to call him, um, is out talking about being a politician again. Now, he's one of those actors that sort of straddles very well the red-blue political divide in America because he's a Texan. And um, his, his uh, very good memoirs, actually, sort of half-memoirs, uh, which came out there a couple of years ago, um, showed that he was very much keeping as neutral as he can in the debate about things. And as a Texan, uh, it's obviously a very red state. Uh, he doesn't quite embrace the, 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 the MAGA or Republican crowd, but he doesn't diss them completely either. And he, he, he feels compelled to act in gun violence because of a mad school shooting in his native Uvalde. 
in May of last year uh, was the elementary school 19 students and two teachers were found dead so he, the people have been asking about politics and he, he's been talking about the need he's not calling it gun control if he said gun control that would be very much seen as a woke democrat from the republican point of view he talks about responsibility rather than gun control uh, which I think is a very clever thing anyway ABC's this week the other day were asking Matthew McConaughey about politics and, and whether he would run and what he would consider doing in and around the government it's, it's more of a larger question for me of is, is politics the category where I can be the most useful and as of right now to be a private citizen with my wife and to come up with an idea like the Green Lines Grant Initiative to work with the government publicly to help them not doing their job for them helping them pull off what they set out to do in the first place, there is argument that that's more useful than what I'm doing right now in a small way. I'd have to be convinced that that's a category that I'd be, could be quite useful in. And uh, it's something that 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 I think about all the time. That sounds very much like he's he's seriously considering a run. Uh, and sure, why not? Could it be any worse than what's going on over there, says you, on the Republican side, let's say. Uh, loads of messages for the dubs. 51551. Best wishes to the dubs. Fantastic for my five grandchildren, all dressed in blue at home in Clontarf. Very proud of our local hero, Jack McCaffrey, says John in Clontarf. Dr. Jack, and my God, he danced a jig and he had a fierce second half when he came on as a sub. I think somebody said uh, before, I read in, uh, over the weekend, that uh, the Dublin bench has the most All-Irelands of any subs bench in footballing history. Now, I challenge the nerds to, to come up with that one. Someone says, I must be the only one who thought David Goff had a good game yesterday, and I say that as a Dublin fan. Of course you do. Uh, RT Radio Pundit said he had a bad day. Of course, we'll now be shouting for the rugby team too. We're sports mad, says C in Dublin, is all they'll identify themselves with. Well, Joe Brawley's in the inno today as well, saying that David Goff also had a good day. Although I noticed that Mickey Hart on the BBC said that he thought the Kerry goal uh, should have been disallowed because of a, a, a double bounce. So, you know, nobody's particularly happy. But I think David Goff's reputation remains intact. I know that people in Dublin were uh, irritated because there was a few bookings and then he hops the ball and then there was... Um, there were some decisions but sometimes in the North Ireland final it's a different kind of thing and you don't want to be the person who upsets the game one way or the other so he's a very measured and uh, controlled temperament on the pitch I have to say now uh, looking across the water again Stormzy he's an interesting artist and he has a scholarships programme running for a couple of years at the University of Cambridge which is you can imagine is um, a very very it's, it's basically a byword for elitism in the British education system and he has been involved in scholarships programmes um, and he's got HSBC UK this is this bank obviously they support Cambridge Stormzy Scholars and there's £2 million gone in there and what they do is they pay the full tuition fees plus a maintenance grant for three or four year degree courses now they don't have maintenance grants or anything like that in the British system like we do here it's been running for five years he's supported 19 black students and he's talking about you know uh, the, the new the new scholarships that he's put in now it's it, in last year they had 141 black students admitted to the university under the Stormzy Scholarships, which was a 130% increase compared to 2018. So it just shows the the lack of uh, diversity in that programme in Cambridge. And uh, he's only 30 years of age, this rapper. And um, it's just incredible. We were looking for male role models that aren't, you know, telling you to, that aren't toxic, basically, and look no further than the likes of Stormzy and indeed Ed Sheeran. They've done a song together. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Keep your texts coming in to us, 51551. We need cheering up on a gloomy 
miserable sort of Monday morning and wherever you are you're hoping you're having the crack uh, good morning to you all it's Monday morning 51551 there's the text <laughs> That's Stormzy and Ed Sheeran, of course. And um, I'm hearing a great recommendation for his, his new album with the gospel stuff. So I'm going to put that on my list um, for, and I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you on that. As if I know anything about rapping. Anyway, 51551 is the text. Did you see the red arrows flying over Dublin? The RAF display team looked spectacular. No, that's the Bray Air Show. So I'm in Croke Park, there was no sign of any planes. I was half expecting to see the odd thing. Uh, up there, um, you know, because, you know, Bray to Croke Park shall be much, uh, but obviously there are, there are aviation rules. Didn't Ryanair have a low-flying passenger jet over the Liffey at one stage years ago in an air show? Um, I've never seen the Red Arrows. It's kind of something I'd, I'd be into, but for some reason it's passed me by and they obviously need to reschedule it when it's up against the All-Ireland. Uh, someone point out that the football is only the second most important game, hurling first, anyways, for me, says Kerry from Galway. I don't know, they've always seemed to set up um, the schedule as though football was more important than the hurling, because the football comes second as the last thing in the GA calendar and, and the same with the stick and the, and the big ball for in the ladies codes because the camogie is next weekend and the ladies football to round off the season but anyway um, I'd be, I'm from the big ball county of Monaghan and met Nudie Hughes yesterday who's in flying form He's one of our great legends. Never mind the football. What about the incredible performance of the Boomtown Rats in Caventown on Saturday night with Bob Geldof giving an incredible tribute to Sinead O'Connor, topped off by Pete Briquette getting a Civic Award and Evan Walsh, formerly of the Stripes, yeah, big Cavan band, getting up for the encore, Mary of the Fourth Form. What an amazing night. That sounds, that sounds really good. And that's from the lads working in Cavan General Hospital. Uh, well, I hope you had a nice, quiet night. That'd be the main thing uh, uh, where you're concerned. But that sounds like a fantastic concert. Um, remember, the, Re- the Reverend Richard Coles may be celebrity, but surely best known as a member of the Communards, says Graham in Alicante. Thank you for reminding me of that indeed. Yes, as I was struggling there at the start, going, uh, Richard Coles, why again? Yes, he's a member. And the poor man, of course, lost his husband earlier in the year. And uh, Graham in Alicante is reminding us it's 30 degrees Celsius and sunny. So that's normal, beautiful Mediterranean <laughs> weather. We hate you, Graeme. Thanks a million. Yeah, good luck. And from Melbourne, a message from Melbourne enjoying a show. Uh, flight, uh, waiting on a flight back to Auckland and uh, they travelled this person to see the All Blacks playing the Wallabies at MCG on Saturday night in Melbourne and like Croke Park, there was 84,000 at the game. I'm originally, originally from Kilkerran in East Galway. And I heard a few lads with Irish accents and seats behind me. I discovered they were from the neighbouring parish of Williamstown. Of course you did, down there. Such a small world indeed. And the All Blacks looking good now with the former Irish coach Joe Smith working with the team. Yeah, we don't know how we're feeling about that. But roll on the Rugby World Cup, says Oliver Lee. We're with you on that. Um, we're always fearful when we have a good run in to the World Cup, of course, um, here. And aren't we, the, wouldn't we, the, the, the last team that beat Australia... Um, South Africa and the All Blacks in the year before World Cup was England in 2003 when they went on to win 
Uh, the Rugby World Cup with that drop goal with Johnny Wilkinson. We can but dream. The ads have me nervous. You know, the ads are kind of set, set it in the future where we're pretending we've won the World Cup. Oh, that, that jinxes it for me. There might be sort of modern paganism going on, but it, it gets me worried. Anyway, we're going off to Limerick after the break where our guest is standing by in studio. He's a great story. He's going to bring us back to the warm, fuzzy glow of nostalgia in the 70s and distinctly and particularly Farah trousers. Stay tuned after these.